You can be seated all over the house. So last week, we started this uh, brief two-week series called Arrows, and the tagline is just living for the target. And that might be five months from now, that might be five years from now, that may be 20 years from now, but here's what we said. For all of us, you have something that's ahead for you. You have some kind of target for your future. You have a target just in terms of your life in general. Um, it also surrounds really specific stuff. Maybe you've got um, a marriage that's coming up that you've been pre- you're preparing for, and yesterday you were up at 4 a.m. Um, with the royal wedding and just vicariously living through that. Um, maybe you've got a middle schooler that's about to, to go off into the middle school years. Um, maybe you're about to move into college. Maybe you're about to have somebody move off to college and it can't happen quick enough. Um, maybe you're about to move off to grad school. Maybe you're about to have another baby um, or your first baby. Maybe um, you're about to move into retirement or at least you're moving in that direction. But all of us have something that's up ahead. All of us have some kind of target that we are aiming for. All of us have something that it's next. And for, in some cases, it is something that excites us. In other cases, it's something that intimidates us. And for some of us, on the negative side, maybe you have a target up ahead that you didn't plan. But now you've got to navigate the waters of not a marriage but a divorce. Or you have to navigate the, the future in terms of not a new job but maybe you lost your job. But all of us have something that is up ahead. Now here's the thing about that is the thing that kind of can trip us up is more and more we have more information and in some ways can predict things in ways we could never um, do it before. Like remember back in the day where you had to plan a trip, you're going to like a resort, you're going on a cruise, and you just had to trust the pictures? Like you just had to hope it's going to look something like that. Um, Our honeymoon, we did a cruise and um, like it was the most ghetto cruise that you could ever imagine. Like they retired the ship literally when we were done. Like we hopped off and like it's dead, it's done. Um, but, but here's the thing, like more and more that happens less and less. Like you've got Yelp, Google reviews, TripAdvisor. So at some level, like you can get a good idea of what's coming. Like down to unbelievably specific stuff. Like how many of you do not eat at a restaurant until you've reviewed um, the restaurant, or, or somebody else has given you their feedback. And it, like, it's so crazy specific. Like, hey, if you're eating at whatever and get the burrito, get less onions because they put way too much on. And then you go and you're like, they're dead on. Or, or maybe it's like you're going to a resort and it, down to the specific, hey, don't take room 212 because the faucet doesn't work or something freaky happened in that room back in the day. Like, you just don't want it. And lo and behold, like, they're right. More and more in some ways you can kind of predict the future. But life is not that way. And so as you look to the future target of your life, no matter how much information you gather, no matter how many articles you read, no matter how much knowledge you accumulate, it it cannot prepare you for all of the eventualities for what is ahead. It, It cannot prepare you to hit the target. And here's what we said last week, is that just because you know what the target is up ahead for your life or for that one area of your life does not mean that you are prepared to hit it. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Here's what we said, that there is no correlation between knowing what the target is for for your future and being prepared to hit it. Or I would say this, I would add this to it, is that Knowing what the target is for your future doesn't ensure you knowing what it will require to hit it. And again, all of you have dreams. All of you have hopes. All of you have something you're looking at for your marriage, for your business, for how you want to raise your kids, for how you want to spend this next decade of your life, or whatever else is up ahead. And here's what we've said just kind of, you know, as I I let you in on last week, I'm a huge outdoorsman and I um, hunt food and just feed my family. It's pretty, um, that's a huge lie. So like when you are, when you're in our, like I'm not even holding this right. This is how much a poser I am right now. Um, But what I said last week is finger position, stance, elbow rotation, um, this consistent anchor point, all of those things in archery are huge deals in terms of where the arrow is going to go in relation to the target. And what's fascinating to me, and the same is true in life, if you're off a little bit right here, you're off yards over here. And if you've ever done this before, and I haven't other than camp and literally hit somebody with an arrow, if you've ever done this before, like, it seems like it's not that big a deal. If I'm off a little bit in my finger position or stance, I mean, it's, 
you know, it's no big deal. And yet over here, it's a massive deal. And just because I can see the target doesn't mean I'm going to get anywhere close to the target. And the same is true with your life. And here's where we kind of we, we get seduced into believing a lie is if you're a person of faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter how much you believe on this side, no matter how much you intend on this side, no matter how much you pray on this side, it's not going to move the arrow toward the target. Preparation is everything. And once my preparation is done and the arrow leaves, I cannot pray the arrow back in. And so what is huge in our life is knowing what is up ahead, but then being prepared to hit it. And here's what I know, and this is what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning, that whatever you're headed toward, whatever your target is, whatever your dream is for the future, somebody else has been there. So, somebody else has already experienced that. And just because you can't predict the future and you can't, doesn't mean you can't prepare for it. In fact, here's what I would say is that someone else has experienced what you are about to experience, and someone else knows what you don't know. Like you're on the verge of a business decision right now. You're doing some things with your kids, and there's some other people who've parented this season. You're maybe on the verge of a partnership. You're on the verge of a new relationship. You're on the verge of making some financial decisions. You're about to move into an empty nest stage. There is somebody else who has experienced what you've experienced, and there is somebody else who knows what you know. And here's why all of this is a big deal. Not so you can make better financial decisions. Not so you can have a better relationship, though, I mean, you want that. Not so that things work out for your kids. But ultimately, you have been created to live your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, for God's glory. The greatest amount of fulfillment and peace is found when you sync your life up with living for God's glory. And so here's the thing. When you follow the voice of wisdom, it brings glory to God because the voice of wisdom is the voice of God. God created the world around wisdom, cause and effect, sow and reap, principles, insight. And so here's what we said last week, that literally when you lean into the voice of wisdom, you are leaning into the voice of God. When you follow wisdom, you are literally following Jesus. And as you sync your life up with how he's created things to work, it reflects and it brings him glory. And here's the thing. The primary way that God communicates wisdom is through other people. Here's what Proverbs says. We looked at Solomon and his writing last week. Um, he, here's two things he writes in Proverbs, wisdom literature, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools, I guess I'm not using that, a companion of fools suffers harm. And then Solomon says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So here's the two questions I just want to give you, and then I'm going to dive into a narrative for a few minutes. In view of your future target, what is it? In view of what's up, up ahead, in view of what's next, in view of what you want for your future, do you have the right people around you? Here's the second question. Are you listening? Like you're on the verge of a relationship decision right now. It's a big deal. And maybe there's some past relationship decisions that haven't gone so well. You, you have a dream that maybe you would say God's birth in your life. You're on the verge of a new job. You're on the verge of a new season. And as best you can in a sin-infested world, you want to get it right. So do you have the right people around you? And are you listening? And here, I, I almost stop short of saying this, but, but I think it's true, is that literally your life is at stake. Like what hangs in the balance in terms of what God has for you is at stake. The trajectory of your life is at stake. And the thing that deceives us is so many times where God wants to lead us, which is through the voice of wisdom, which comes from other people, almost seems unspiritual, but it's one of the primary ways he wants to lead us into his will. It's one of the primary ways he wants to direct our life toward the target to bring him glory. And the trajectory of your life hangs in the balance of whether you will follow the voice of wisdom. And in this case, what I want to look at today is the voice of other people. And so there's one Old Testament historic narrative that I think brings this out really well. And so I just want to roll through this real quick because I think it gives us incredible insight around this subject. And it picks up in 930 BC. Are you with me at the 1045? Are you with me at the nine still? Are you with me? And same at the 1230, but you slept in all morning, so you should have lots of energy. 
In 930 BC, it picks up where Israel is split into two kingdoms. You may know this already. Um, The northern kingdom kept the name of Israel. The southern kingdom became Judah. And as we pick up this narrative, the king of Israel is Ahab, and he's got a crazy wife by the name of Jezebel, and you can look her up on your own. And then the southern kingdom is Judah, and the king of the southern kingdom is Jehoshaphat. And what makes this so relevant is these two form an alliance that they didn't need to form, and some momentum starts to happen around this alliance, and you get incredible insight into some choices that Ahab makes to ignore the voice of wisdom, to ignore the voice of other people around him. And it's so obvious on the front end. It's so obvious as you read the narrative. But I think for some of us, it's not any less obvious. And so here's where it picks up, and I just want to dive right in without a lot more backstory. Second Chronicles 18.1, um, the historical narrative picks up where an alliance has been um, formed between Jehoshaphat, king of the southern kingdom, and Ahab, king of the northern kingdom. And just real quick, I could preach a whole message around this. This is such a big deal. Because when you form any kind of alliance with someone, whether you expect it to happen or not, they always gain leverage into your life. They always gain a voice into your life. Whether it's a business partnership, whether it's a relationship, it may be a fraternity or a sorority, it might be a board, I don't know what it is. But anytime you form any kind of partnership, there's a proximity of relationship and they have kind of weight behind their words. There is something that happens where they have leverage and they have influence in your life. And I'm just telling you, that is a big deal. And so verse 1, 2 Chronicles 18 It's on your app. Go to Media Sermon Resources. You can follow along. If you've got an old school Bible, that's amazing. Mark it up, highlight it, um, or you can download version on your phone real quick. Here's how it picks up, 18, verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, king of the southern kingdom. And he allied himself with Ahab, king of the northern kingdom, by marriage. He didn't need to. God forbid it, but it happened anyway. Verse 2, some years later, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and then urged him to attack Ramoth-Gilead. And so basically, Ramoth-Gilead, real quick, is like a merchant city. There's a lot of trade that happens. It's a trade city. Um, It had incredible wealth. And it's right in the city uh, or the country of Aram. And so basically he comes down to him and says, hey, listen, we need to get in on this wealth. We need to somehow capture this city and we need to um, benefit from it. And so he wants to form a partnership around it. Verse 3, and so Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? Will you basically join your army with our army to go attack? And Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are and my people as your people. And we will join you in the war, which is so insane. Like, hey, yeah, there's a lot of wealth there. There's a lot of industry. We could benefit. Let's go to war. Which in that culture, that's just kind of what they did. And then Jehoshaphat replied, I'm here as, I'm as you are. My people as you are will join you in the war. And then verse 4, Jehoshaphat asks, honestly, if you're Ahab, a really annoying question. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first... Seek the counsel of the Lord. Like this is the equivalent, if you have ever been on the verge of a decision, especially if like in the home that I grew up, my dad was a pastor. And so you would get in your mind like something I wanted to do. Emotionally, I was already feeling it. I wanted it. And then I think this is a brilliant parenting technique. But every once in a while, um, when kind of the... um, the risk was low. My dad would just give me the option of making the decision, but then he would always add this, hey, well, why don't you just pray about that and see what you should do? I'm like, no, I don't want to pray about it. I want you to rubber stamp it, and I want to move forward and do it. Like, I, that's way too much ambiguity. You know, just tell me I can do it, and I'll move forward. And that's kind of the approach of Jehoshaphat to Ahab. This is the equivalent of, hey, did you pray about this? Did you ask anybody about this? Did you gather anybody in a room like the smart people and just ask the question, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Now, here's the interesting thing for a lot of us. We have, to quote C.S. Lewis, this idea of like a sacred secular divide with things. So you, you pray about or you kind of you invoke God's wisdom in areas related to whatever you define as spirituality, but like areas of business, 
areas of lifestyle, areas of maybe a financial decision, for some reason, we kind of view those as that, well, that's, that's like secular. That's a different box. And yet, as you look at the scripture, no such distinction exists. There is no sacred secular. It's all sacred. It's all spiritual. God wants to be involved in all of it, and God has a plan and a target for your life. And so Jehoshaphat asks him the annoying question, and then verse 5, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 men. Now, just real quick. This is Ahab's attempt to appease Jehoshaphat, but these are all the guys, these 400 prophets, they're all guys that are on the payroll. All of these guys are yes men. All of them are sycophants. They'll do whatever Ahab wants. So he's very strategic and will bring in the 400 prophets who I give a paycheck to every week. And he asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And immediately, predictably, go For God will give it into the king's hand because Ahab, you're amazing. And payday is on Wednesday. And so Ahab's looking around going, well, there's your answer. Jehoshaphat, there's your answer. All these guys think that that we should do it. We should move forward. But Jehoshaphat asks, and Jehoshaphat's thinking, Ahab, are you kidding me? That all these guys are going to do is tell you what you want to hear. And so he says to Ahab, is there not a prophet of the Lord here? Whom you can inquire of? Like is the Ahab, is there anybody who actually has a connection with God? Is there anybody who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth? Is there anybody who has the potential to be honest with you? Because these guys are not going to be honest with you. And so the king of Israel, Ahab, answered Jehoshaphat, and I love this. There's still one man whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me. It's always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. So basically, Ahab's like, oh, there's this one guy. And I don't like him, so I didn't invite him. Because every time I invite him at the boardroom table, he's always raining on my parade, man. Every time I've got a plan, every time we're ready to move forward with something, every time I'm amped up, there's a ton of energy, everybody's on board. He's that lone voice at the table that always shoots things down. He's the lone voice at the table that never moves things in the direction that I want to go. And so there Ahab is, he's making this massive decision. I mean, he's leading a country into war. But there's one voice he won't listen to. It's just like us. Hey, did you, did you invite them in to just ask what they think? Well, no. Did, did you pray about it? I, I mean, kind of. Did you have that one conversation? No, because I don't, they're annoying. And maybe you're right in the middle of a decision or a season. And there's people that you don't want to talk to. There's that one voice that you don't want to listen in on. There is that one bit of insight that you don't want to take seriously. And you look just as foolish as Ahab. What we said last week is wise people, prudent people, as Solomon put it, they desperately move to see what they don't want to see. And they desperately lean in to hear what they don't want to hear because they understand that their capacity to deceive themselves and convince themselves on a decision that ends up being a train wreck is almost limitless. And so he says, there's Micaiah, son of Imlah. And so the king, Jehoshaphat, said the king should not say that. So verse 8, so the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, this is Ahab, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, in at once. I don't want to. He's a naysayer. He never tells me what I want to hear, but bring him in just to make Jehoshaphat happy. And this is so crazy. You can read it for yourself. But while all this is happening and they go summon uh, Micaiah and bring him in, it's just the whole atmosphere just begins to be hype. Everybody's cheering Everybody's going crazy. There's a massive pep rally. All the 400 prophets are like cheering Ahab on. Come on, Ahab, you are amazing. This is going to be historic. It's going to go down in such an epic way that people will never forget it, which is true, but not in the way they thought. And everybody is just cheering Ahab on. Here's what you need to know. You will always be able to find a thousand voices to cheer you on in the wrong direction. 
In fact, if you just allow yourself to move with the current of culture, you will easily find a bunch of voices of cultural majority thinking that will take you in the opposite direction of what God has for your life. Because come on, if you've read any of the scriptures, a lot of what God says, hey, ultimately this is going to be better for you. Ultimately, this is going to lead you to peace. Ultimately, this is going to lead you to fulfillment. In almost every case, it's counterintuitive. It's not what we would choose or want in the moment. I love what Craig Rochelle says to quote him. If you want what everybody else has, just do what everybody else does. If you want what few people have, be willing to do what few people do, which is to lean into the voices you don't want to hear and listen to the information that you don't want to obtain. And so verse 12, the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, this is the messenger to Micaiah, look As one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. So let your word agree with theirs. I don't know where that accent came from. That's out of nowhere. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Hey, hey, Micaiah, I've been summoned to come and get you and take you before Ahab. Just a little heads up before we get there. Everybody's excited about this. There is tons of momentum. There's a freaking pep rally going on in King Ahab's chambers. Like, we are so amped about what's ahead. So listen, I just in all due respect, Micaiah, make sure that you do not screw this up. And make sure that you tell the king ultimately what the king wants to hear. And come on, as you're reading this story, this is what's so fascinating about these historical narratives. You look at it, and it's kind of like what we said last week. You have crystal clear insight into the stupidity of Ahab's decisions, don't you? It is so absolutely easy to see. Ahab gets in his mind that he wants to do this that's going to be beneficial. He has all this emotion and energy. So he's so far down the road. He wants it so bad that it's drowning out the voice of common sense. And there he is. And he's allowing his confirmation bias to just take hold. Like he's just cherry picking the information that he wants. And you can see where this whole story is headed. And for some of us, you're right in that same place. If you're watching me right now, you're listening somewhere or you're in the house where you're on the verge of dating them. You're right on the cusp of that business deal. You're considering that purchase You're moving in the direction of what you want to prioritize in this next season or over this next year. And there you are making that decision. And there is that one person, that one person that you respect, that you don't want to ask, and you don't want to listen to. Because you are so committed to filtering out the voice of common sense, the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom. In some cases, the voice of God. And so verse 13, but Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says, i.e., I'm not going to sell out. Verse 14, and when he arrived, the king, that's Ahab, asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And then Micaiah, I love this, attack and be victorious, he answered. For they will be given into your hands. Which is kind of savage on Micaiah's part because he's being completely sarcastic. He's like, hey, listen, go for it. It's going to be amazing. Everybody thinks so. Go attack. You've got this. And so verse 15, Ahab looks at him and he sees he's being sarcastic. He says, the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Like, Micaiah, I didn't even want you here. Stop mocking me and just tell me what you think. And then Micaiah answered, I saw all of Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And that sounds like something that they put on a plaque and sell it Lifeway, but here's what this actually means. Micaiah's like, the way this is going to go down, it's going to look like a sheep without a shepherd and all the sheep are going to be scattered, i.e., All of your army is going to run in every direction because the shepherd, the king, you, is no longer going to be in the picture because he's going to be dead. That's how I see this going down. In verse 17, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I love this, 
Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad? And then skip down to verse 25. The king of Israel, Ahab, then ordered, take Micaiah, send him back to Ammon, the the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, and this is what the king says, put this fellow Micaiah in prison, give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Basically, hey, go take Micaiah, gag him, put him in prison, just leave him there. Don't let anybody know what he's predicting. Don't let anybody know what he said. And then when we get on the other side of this war, then you can bring him out. But until then, I don't want to hear him and I don't want anybody else to hear him because it'll slow down our momentum. And so verse 27, Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. And then he added, and I think he was probably, as he's being gagged, is kind of screaming this as they're taking him off to prison. Mark my words, all you people. Now, again, you're like, this is so obvious. It's so easy to see what's coming. It's so easy to see that all of these on the payroll sycophants, that all this majority thinking, they're all wrong. It's easy to see that that everybody who had something to gain, all of them are wrong. All of them are sellouts. It's so easy as you're looking into the story to understand that, that the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom has been gagged and dragged away. It is so obvious. But for some of us, You are on the verge of a decision or you just got out of a decision or a season or you're about to move into one. And I don't think it's any less obvious. I think there's people around you that have crystal clear insight into your stupidity. I think there's people around you and they're looking at this situation and they haven't been invited in so they don't want to kind of breach the the ethic of the relationship. But they're looking in to go, "What, what are you thinking Why do you think that's a good idea? Why are you thinking that that's going to work out well for you? And and there you are in that situation, and you're listening to and you're filtering out things that everybody on the outside is going, that's just not going to end well. And so the king of Israel, verse 28, Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, and this is so important, I will enter the battle in disguise. What? You're going to enter, Ahab, you're going to enter the battle in disguise. I'm going to enter the battle in disguise, but you, you wear your royal robes. And at this point, like if you're sitting down with Jehoshaphat, Ahab's not the only player in this. Like Jehoshaphat, are you serious, bro? Like, are you going to take this? And, And you look at Ahab and go, Ahab, why are you going in disguise? You are, you are so confident. You were so sure that this is the right decision. You were so absolutely convinced that this is the way that you need to move forward. But Ahab was doing what we do. On the outside, he was so confident. And he had so many arguments. And he could convince everyone of those arguments of why he thought this was a good idea. But internally for Ahab, the words of Micaiah rang. He was not confident internally. And it's where we're at, where you're on the verge of a decision and you're about to enter into that partnership, that relationship. You're about to sign on to do some different things with your priorities in this next season. You're you're about to enter into that contract. You're about to say yes to her. You're about to say no to that. And you're on the verge. And if somebody really had insight into your decision, they would sit down with you and go, hey, have you... Have you asked anyone about that? And why, just a question, why are you leaving out some of the details? Why are you filtering out some of the information? Why are you telling them three-fourths of the story? Why do you leave that out? Come on, isn't it true? You can argue your wife into submission. You can argue your husband into submission. You can strong arm your parents until they throw up their arms. You can manipulate the board. You can stiff arm your kids. And you are so confident on the outside. You have so many arguments. You have a PowerPoint because you're type A. You can convince anybody of your argument and your decision. 
but in your heart, there's a doubt. And it's related to that one voice who had nothing to lose by telling you the truth. And so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. And again, from the outside, are you kidding me? Ahab's like, yeah, yeah, just wear your royal robes. In fact, get your crown. Get those little guys who blow the trumpets with the flags and have them kind of in a processional out in front of you. It'll be amazing. But I'm, I'm going to go in disguise. It'll be fine. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and went anyway into battle. And Jehoshaphat, again, at this point, you're like, dude, get a clue. Get a clue. But here's the thing. When you form any kind of alliance, when you form any kind of partnership, when you place yourself in a situation where people automatically are going to get leverage and they are going to have a voice into your life, just mark it down. I, I, some of you just need to hear this. It is very difficult once momentum happens. It is very difficult once you get down the road of a decision. It is very difficult when you get at a table and everybody's cheering you on and there's a lot at stake and, and there's a lot of voices in your ear. It is very difficult to turn away at the last moment. Have you ever been in a situation where you're at a table and you're about to sign and right before you're about to sign, somebody discloses some information. Oh yeah, there's this one thing, this one amendment. We, we couldn't tell you about it before. For, da, 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 and they tell you about it. And if that had been introduced at any point earlier, you would have walked away. But now because there is so much momentum and so much synergy, it is hard to walk away. It is hard to walk away when you're moving close to the wedding date. It is hard to walk away when you're at the table. It is hard to walk away where it's already been set and there's tons of momentum and everybody is excited. Because when you form an alliance or a partnership, when you give other people access and leverage into your life, no matter what comes, no matter how crazy it seems, it is very difficult to turn in the other direction. And Jehoshaphat has every reason in the world to know this is not going to end well. But he's in too deep. And so now the king of Aram had ordered his chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone, small or great, except the king of Israel. So Aram is who they're attacking. So they're like, we just need to take out the king of Israel. So find Ahab and kill him. Verse 31, when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, this is the king of Israel. They thought it was Ahab. So they turned to attack him, but Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. And God drew them away from him. For when the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they stopped pursuing him. And basically, despite his stupidity, God bailed out Jehoshaphat. And then verse 33, this is so powerful and such a warning to me. But someone drew his bow at random. Like there's Jehoshaphat. And he's like, listen, it's going to be fine. I'm going to disguise myself. I'm going to go in and be careful. And it's all going to be good. Even though all of the evidence suggests that it's not. And again, he's doing exactly what we do. We choose a path. We choose a decision. We choose a way forward that ultimately it's not really leading us toward our target. It's just cause and effect. It's just principles and insight. It's if you were to ask anybody on the outside, they would see it. But we think that somehow we're going to manipulate the outcome. Hey, I know that some of this suggests it's not wise, but I'll be careful. It'll be different. I'm different. This is unique. This is right for me. I'm going to be careful, and it's all going to work out. And so there is Ahab, goes in in disguise, and he knows, I think at this point, he's ignored the voice of wisdom. He has ignored the voice of good counsel. He is taking his life into his hands, but I'm just going to disguise myself. I'm just going to, to kind of get into a place where nobody's going to notify me. I, I'm going to be careful, and everything is going to work out great. And then about probably 300 yards away, an archer drew his bow and shot at random into the crowd and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. 
And the king told the chariot driver, wheel around, get me out of the fighting, I've been wounded. And all day long the battle raged and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans until evening. And then at sunset, he died. And this wasn't the target Ahab had for his life. Like this isn't how he wanted it to go down. He had visions of grandeur for Israel, for the kingdom, for how he was going to be remembered in history. But rather than Ahab living for the target, Ahab became a target, which happens every single time you move yourself out from the voices of wisdom because the voices of wisdom are the voices of God. The voices of truth is literally the voice of God. And so when you decide to ignore the voice of wisdom, ignore the voice of God, you are moving yourself outside of the will of God. And I'm just going to tell you, there is no promise of everything's going to work out great and God's going to wrap a bow on it at the end. But come on, the safest place in the world to be is in the center of the will of God. And when you ignore the voice of wisdom, you're not just ignoring the voice of insight. You're not just ignoring principles. You're not just ignoring some kind of information that's going to lead you forward. Literally, you are ignoring the voice of God and moving yourself outside of the will of God. And at that moment, you become a target. Not because God's trying to get you back. Not because God's trying to pay you back. But because this is how God has set the world up to work. And when you lean into his voice through wisdom and generally through other people, God leads you according to his will and his desires for your life. But when you ignore that, you put yourself outside of God's will and natural cause and effect, natural sow and reap takes effect. And God is not trying to punish you, but to ignore wisdom is to ignore the voice of God. And there Ahab is, and he's quieted all of these voices for all of this time. And then he dies. And he didn't have to. And all of you, and maybe this is you, you've watched people who had a target in mind. They had a dream in mind. They had something up ahead in mind. If they're a Jesus follower, hopefully it was, God, I want to surrender my life to you and I'm going to live for your glory. And then because they ignored the voices of wisdom, a relationship died. Financial security died. An area of their life where they're never going to be able to get that season back, it died. Their innocence died. There, there is some kind of cost to not following the voice of wisdom because they filtered out the lone voice of reason. So, so as we get ready to close, here's, here's where we're going. Proverbs 27, 12, last week, the prudent, they lean in to hear what they don't want to hear. And they lean in to see what they don't want to see. They tune in to the voices of wisdom. And generally, the voice of wisdom comes through other people. And so here is really the question in view of your future target. What keeps you from asking and listening to the right people? You're on the verge of something right now. You're making some new decisions. You're moving into a new arena of your life. In light of where you want to go and in light of if you're a Jesus follower, hopefully where God wants to take you, what keeps you from asking and listening to the right people? Here's what Solomon says, Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Here's three reasons real quick why I think we don't do this. And the first one is we think we already know. Go back. We think we already know. I, I, one of my favorite stories is Muhammad Ali, if you know anything about him, was on a plane one time and they were about to depart and he wouldn't put his seatbelt on and a stewardess came up to him and was like, Lee, you need to put your seatbelt on. He's like, I, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And then the stewardess, without blinking an eye, turns back to him and said, well, Superman doesn't need a plane. So put your seatbelt on. Like, the first step to knowing what you need to know is understanding what you don't know. And in that area where you think you've already got it and so you are ignoring some voices is probably the area where you need wisdom the most. 
And we don't ask for it because we think we know. Or the second one, we're too afraid to be honest. It's why you need to root yourself to your identity in Christ. I think every day that I am loved, I am accepted, I am worthy, I am secure in him. And it's not based on my decisions. It's based on him so that I can be freed up to be honest about me. Like, have you ever been in a community group where everybody shares their story about something and then it gets to that last person and then they go deep at another level that nobody was expecting? And so then everybody's like, well, can we all reshare? Because we didn't know, like, we were going there. We didn't know we were getting that honest. Like, where do you need to be honest? You're on the verge of a financial decision, but you won't ask for help because you have to disclose some other bad financial decisions in your past. And so you're just, you're resisting being honest. You're on the verge of a relationship decision, and you won't really clue anybody into all of the information. You won't really clue anybody in on what's happened previously with your relationship track record, maybe out of embarrassment. So you're withholding information, and you're not leaning into the voices to hear what you need to hear because you're just afraid to be honest. And, and the third, I think, pushback for a lot of people is we just don't know whom to ask. So here, here's who you need to ask. You need to ask if you're on the verge of a decision or a new season or moving in a new direction, you need to ask people who are going to ask you the tough questions. And they're not gonna have anything to lose. They're gonna be willing to tell you the truth and they're gonna move to a place where they're able to sit down and go, listen, I don't know how this is gonna affect our relationship, but I just care too much about you. And in fact, I, I care more about you as a friend than I even do the friendship. And that person is rare. And you need to lean into the voices of people who are where you ultimately want to be. I don't give a lot of, I don't give a lot of relationship advice, but you, if you are young, if you're entering into a relationship, here's the one advice I'd give you. Or you're in, coming toward a new marriage, a second marriage, whatever it is. You find people who are further up ahead, who have what you want ultimately in a relationship or a marriage relationship, and then you stalk the crap out of them. Like you annoy them until they will meet with you and have coffee with you and you ask them a ton of questions, but you find people further up ahead and you just gain wisdom from them because they are where you ultimately wanna be. And here's what I'll promise you. Listen, if you're on the verge of a decision, if you're on the verge of a new season and there's some things that you need to hear, God is gracious that every time you are on the verge, if you are open, God will send someone. And the question is, will you listen or will you filter out the voice, in some cases, of reality, or the voices of common sense? And the other thing is true is just this is generally the thing that we least want to hear is the thing we need to hear the most. And generally, the person we want to hear from the least is the person we need to hear from the most. And all of us have enough of a track record where we can look back to a season or decision where we stiff-armed the voices of people that we should have leaned into and we would do anything to go back and cancel out those voices of cultural majority thinking and lean into the voices of wisdom. So as we close, if you're like, well, I, I just need you to end by asking me some really deep, hard questions, that's perfect, that's, that's what was in my notes. So let me just ask you these as we end. Who, who are you listening to? Who, who has your ear? Who, whose advice do you lean into? Who do you need to quit listening to? Let me ask it this way, because this is a better way to clarify it. Who do the people that you care about the most, who do they say you need to quit listening to? Who does your wife say you need to quit listening to? Who do your parents say you need to quit listening to? Who does your husband say, no, you need to tune her, tune them out a little bit. Who do you need to quit listening to? Who should you be listening to? You're on the verge of a decision. Who do you know? It's that, vo it's that one. And you just won't lean in to hear them. What do you not want to hear? But you know you need to hear it. What do you think you know? And you are so confident on the outside. And you are so persuasive on the outside. And internally, there's a doubt, isn't there? And whose advice are you resisting? 
because you just don't individually, you don't like them personally. Maybe you've got some kind of argument of what well, they're, they're speaking in and you feel like there's truth in it, but they haven't accomplished as much as you. They're speaking to the issues, but you just kind of discount them in some way. You're more educated. They, they're not as old as you. They don't know as much or you know too much about them. And, and yet there, there's something about what they're telling you or what you know they would tell you that rings true and you are constantly trying to discount it. But who do you need to lean into? What do you need to lean into? What do you need to hear? And I just wanna say this one more time. That voice of wisdom that is so easy to discredit because we form some kind of thing where, okay, I know how God speaks in terms of maybe the scriptures or I feel that thing when I'm in a service or a small group somewhere. But then there's all these other areas where it seems like it's just kind of morally neutral. It's so easy to ignore that voice of truth, that voice of wisdom, that voice of, I'm not sure that's gonna go down well. And I just wanna tell you, there is no sacred, secular, there's just sacred, there's just spiritual, and literally that prompting, that doubt, that I don't know, that is the voice of God. That voice of wisdom is your heavenly Father in His grace communicating to you and going, listen, once I show you danger, my work's done, because I'm not going to force my will on you, but you just need to know if you're my child, I love you. I died for you, which means I'm for you. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And that thing that you feel, it is me inviting you. It is my invitation going, I have a better way for you. I want something more for you. I am the creator, God of the universe, all sovereign, meaning I know all things actual and possible, meaning I know what's ahead. You do not know what's ahead. I know what's coming. You do not know what's coming. So would you trust me? Would you follow me? Would you lean into the voice of wisdom? And I'm telling you, if you surrender, even right now, even today, as you're on the verge of whatever, God is going to speak. But here's the last thing. This is the prerequisite. God does not speak for whatever reason for your consideration. God speaks for your obedience. And when you are willing to say, God, blank check, yes, before the question comes, God will speak. But he's not speaking for you to consider anything or mull it over. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. And he's inviting you to follow him. And if you do, in light of your future target, God will lead you. And so in light of where you want to go, for some of you just practically, you need to get into a community group. If you're a follower of Jesus and you are, I'm just going to say this, and you are attending every week, sitting your butt in a chair and going your way, and not doing anything else, you are not engaging in community, you're not engaging in serving in the gathering, you are outside of the will of God, period. And you need to take a step to move out, and I'm just talking to Jesus followers, I'm most direct with you. If you're not, you can ignore all this. You need to take a step to root yourself in the community, you need to, to create some margin and go sacrifice an hour and next steps during the 1045, I know it's an hour, you need to get rooted to other relationships. You need to engage because that is where God is most likely going to begin to speak. So wherever you're at today, for some of you, you just need to get into a group. You need to go at the 1045 and get into the next steps. And you need to just pray a prayer of surrender of God in light of my target. I want to know what I don't know and I want to listen to what I need to listen to because someone knows what I don't know. And so wherever you are, would you lean in right now in this moment and it's generally going to happen in the in the voices of other people, God, help me to see what honestly I don't want to see. And God, help me to hear what honestly, because I, I want this so badly, help me to hear what I don't want to hear. And God's promise is that he will direct your paths. Would you stand with me all over the house? And for some of you, I know with the, the size of the crowds in all of our services today, there are a whole bunch of stories I mean, right now, you're watching, you're listening, you're listening already. There, there are a whole bunch of stories that people are on the verge of something right now, like today. And you feel like I read your email or I, I listened on your text messages and I didn't. This is just the way. And so right now, you have an opportunity. 
But there are many times when that opportunity is time sensitive. And God right now is speaking for your obedience to lead you in a better way. And you really, maybe in this moment, I don't want to overstate it, but maybe in this moment, you have a decision of whether you're going to listen or not. And it might redirect your life, either positively or negatively. So would you just pray with me right now? For some of you, you need to lift your hands up. And this is actually a prayer of surrender for you. A prayer of submission. A prayer of, I'm going to stop trying to figure this out or manipulate this or jam my agenda ahead. And God, right now, I'm, I'm trusting you. So if that's you, in this moment, heads bowed and eyes closed, just lift up your hands. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. I, I thank you for the un, just the uncompromised nature of your character, those things that we don't ever have to doubt. You are good. The cross shouts that you are good. You are in control. The cross and later that weekend, your resurrection from the grave shouts that you are in control. You want to lead us. You want something that is better for us. And so God, we can trust you. And so I pray maybe even right now in this moment, you would silence the voice of the enemy, of the liar, of the deceiver that is leading us not into some momentary decision or event, but maybe unbeknownst to some of us, is leading us down a path, is leading us down a highway. And it's gonna end somewhere and it may not be where we wanna end up. And so God, shut the voice of the liar, help us to lean into the voice of truth, the voice of wisdom, the voice of other people who are articulating that wisdom and literally the voice of God. God, for many of us, we submit to you right now to do what we need to do. For some, it's to, it's to right now make a decision to get into next steps, to take a step outside of, of their lame, little, comfortable, Christian, whatever it is, get into community, serve somewhere, open themselves up to relationships so you can begin to do what you need to do. So just give us the courage to do that if that's what you're calling us to do. And God, for others of us right now in this moment, it's kind of uncomfortable. There is that one voice and it is undeniable. And today we need to go and tune into that voice. And so God, wherever we are, just lead us. And lastly, I just thank you. I thank you that through this ancient literature, you have preserved it and it is doing what Paul wrote about in Hebrews. It is living and it is powerful and it directs us. And even what we're reading from 3,000 years ago, because it was inspired by the creator God of the universe, it speaks directly into our situation today. So God, help us to take it seriously. Help us to take you seriously. And we pray all of this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus.